there and welcome to episode 17 of Live from Vader's Castle. You're joined by, as always, myself, Dan McQuarrie and my co-host, John Lee. Hi, John. Hello there. How are we doing this fine evening? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. As I'm sure I say every week, glad it's Friday and I'm ready for the weekend. <laughs> Hearing the same old bars every week on the podcast. <laughs> it's, just, it's still true every Friday. I'm like, it oh, is. Christ, thank the Lord. And as we are every Friday as well, at least for another couple of weeks, being blessed of another episode of The Bad Batch. And uh, this week it truly is a blessing because this is we're going to crack an episode today, if I do say so myself. Yeah. I completely agree. Our wishes from last week, I think, have been answered. Uh, and we, we, we're getting the, the Bad Batch content uh, we've, we've been begging for. I'm convinced they listen to our podcast, John, because this is, this is basically the episode that we were longing for. You know, we were saying last week we wanted some sort of more Imperial stuff. We got it. We said we wanted some more sort of tech and echo. We got it this week. We wanted some more clone stuff. We got it this week. I mean, everything that we had been asking for, they delivered on. So uh, it's clear that Dave Filoni is just listening and listening to the podcast every week. And he thinks, oh, they make some good points. Let's, <laughs> let's make an episode in a week and drop it just to keep them happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that or I think we show such brilliance and forward thinking that I think we should be signed by uh, LucasArts to write their uh, scripts and out for the animation because clearly we know exactly what everyone wants to see exactly we're basically on Dave Filoni's wavelength therefore we should be hired by Filoni yeah, that, makes, that makes absolutely complete sense to me you know um, he was George's understudy and we can be Dave's understudies uh, just we'll sit by our uh, laptop and wait for the email Dave if you're listening and, yeah, I'll have my notifications on for my emails. So any day now, I'm I'm, I'm eager. Yeah. yeah, big fan. We'll work for nothing <laughs> <laughs> for a, for a little while. Yeah, on on today's episode because it's been a pretty big episode of Bad Batch. There's plenty to talk about, so we're just going to have a full, good old fashioned hour long discussion about the Bad Batch. Um, we've had a couple of those episodes in the past. Um, because the episodes give us loads to talk about and this is another one of them. So we shall dive very deep into uh, the newest episode of Bad Batch, episode 14. It was called War Mantle. And um, just give me, first of all, John, overall thoughts on the episode. Um, I, would, I have to say, <clears throat> unbelievable. I feel like, you know, as we literally just said, it was everything that, it ticked all the boxes that we were asking for last week, as well as I think I've said on the podcast before, but the episodes that I've really enjoyed are the ones that obviously have the face value things, obviously, you know, like good action, you know, interesting character development, you know, some nice story points. And I think the episodes that really stand out for me personally are the ones that have lots going on in the background that if you want to notice, you can, and there's really some stuff to dive into there. Um, so I think on some episodes in the previous, I've been surprised at how much I've actually managed to draw out a few of the episodes, literally just on that background information. And I think on today's episode, you know, we had face value, unbelievable stuff. And in the background as well, there's stuff going on. There's like key dialogue points, you know, there's some interesting characters in the background or just interesting things in the background that I think really help for the more eagle-eyed viewers to dive into. And it makes the universe just feel more alive and lived in. So I think yeah. it's ticked all the boxes this week, to be honest. This is one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, I agree. This is probably one of my favourite episodes as well. It was, it had everything that, for me, makes a good, not just a good Bow Batch episode, but a good sort of animated Star Wars episode. Like, it had a great, you know, action set piece. It was, a you know, breaking someone out of prison, a classic, you know, breaking someone out of prison episode that we've seen many times across Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch, Star Wars in general, um, dating all the way back to A New Hope. Um, but it was done with a bit of a twist. You know, we had some returning characters, which I'm always a big fan of. We had some deep, deep connections to Clone Wars and Rebels, which I'm always a fan of. We had some interesting galaxy-wide developments, which I think this show, when it does well, does 
like when it does it, it does it really, really well. So learning more about the transition from the Republic to the Empire, from the, the end of the Clone Wars and really wrapping up some of those loose ends and learning so much more about, you know, where stormtroopers and everything came for, which I'm sure we're going to dive into in a lot of detail. Um, something that Bad Batch has that some of the animated shows not that they haven't had, but Bad Batch wins on. It's just quality of animation, visuals. This episode looked absolutely stunning. I was literally just sitting on Twitter going through like the hashtag and all it was was just people screen grabbing some of the shots and being like, this show is ridiculous. And I literally said it myself. I was like, the animation on the show is just levels above anything that any other animation studio is doing nowadays. It's just incredible. And then, yeah, great character moments, some good comedy in there. Um and all in all, just a really, really strong episode. So, uh, yeah, I can't really, can't really give more, more praise in that. I mean, I will give more praise <laughs> because there's a lot of things that I really want to dive into in this episode. Um, but I guess, first of all, we'll just dive into sort of what is the, what was the opening of the episode, which is a clone unnamed at the time being chased through a spooky looking forest by um can't remember the name of those evil alien dog things but a couple of them and some what appeared to be clones um as soon as i saw that i thought brilliant we're getting more clone stuff this episode what were your initial what was your initial reaction when you uh, when you saw our good friendly clone escaping through the forest yeah i mean uh i get as soon as i saw some some interesting clones that you know regs as they appear <clears throat> as they appeared to be at the time I was like, oh, nice. We're getting, you know, some more client stuff, which is what we've asked for. And then like, my mind was going, and I was like, okay, this clone trooper seems to be running from other clone troopers. Like, which which side of, like, the, um, I don't know, like, clone side is he on? Is that, like, a, a normal reg running from, like, um, maybe, like, some ones that Rex is, like, unchipped? Uh, like de-chipped i suppose so like they try to capture more and gain like a little army it wasn't like the other way around yeah. or have like, we got another houser situation which was my first yeah. Thought. yeah yeah that was that was my first thought but at the end of it i was like oh maybe it could be the other way um i wasn't really sure how it was going but yeah i mean especially at the start that's that's when i was like oh, okay so i feel like this episode is gonna be very clone heavy and like all that sort of stuff so i was like okay off to a good start here <laughs> a nice interesting uh chase sequence to start the episode off yeah, definitely, definitely set the scene, set the tone in the episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was going through my mind. As soon as I saw that clone, I was like, oh, is this a clone deserter? Have we got another Hauser on our hands? Is this is the house of cards of the Empire starting to crumble and the Order 66 chip is dropping one clone at a time? That's my initial thoughts. And it seems that, you know, we're getting along those lines somewhat. So yeah, interesting opening. And then obviously we're, back on the Marauder and they get a call from our boy Rex. And I tell you what, I was surprised to see Rex because silly old Dan McQuarrie had predicted that that would be that when we saw Rex in episode seven, that was going to be the last of him and we weren't going to be seeing him again, but I was wrong. We've seen Rex again. He's up to something. He's busy in some form of conflict somewhere, but he, uh, he gives the, he gives the boys a little mission and uh, that sort of sets up the rest of the episode. Were you, were you gassed? to see our boy Rex again. Yeah. It's always lovely to see see Rex and see like returning uh, characters. A little di- a little disappointing in that, you know, he was only there for like a brief hologram conversation. Uh, but I suppose, you know, you can't have it all. Uh yeah. It's nice to see that back in contact with him. And um, you know, I'm kind of hoping that as the last two episodes come out, maybe he'll be in the movie more um, yeah. as soon as, you know, he's given them the mission etc. So I feel like Hopefully we'll see him a bit more. But yeah, it's good to see him and nice to see that like the writers still have him on yeah. the on the chessboard. Yeah, I th- I think I have a feeling we'll see him again next week because I imagine they'll try and deliver Gregor to Rex and then be like, yo, <laughs> our boy's been stolen and it's we were doing your mission, so Rex, you come give us a favour and help us get Hunter back. I imagine is probably what the what might happen. Um so hopefully we're not done with Rex. But yeah, it was really good to see him. I like that he's still vibing with the poncho. I think he owns that poncho look. Um, it's As he said, it's just good to know that the writers still consider Rex in the mix. And I always found myself 
you know, when I finished Clone Wars and then went on to Rebels and the fact that, because I obviously didn't watch in release order and the fact that like I finished season six of Clone Wars, then watched all the Rebels and came back and watched seven when it came out. Like, I finished seven and then started Rebels. So I was very confused as to like, right, so we've seen Rex at the end of Clone Wars sort of going off separate ways from Ahsoka and then now he's like in a weird desert with Wolf and Gregor like, what's the in-between story then? I've always been interested to see it. And it's good that this show, I think they're maybe more in season two, I imagine, but I think they're deciding what their in-between story for Rex is going to be. And, you know, what, what takes Rex from always wanting to fight the good fight to hiding out on a crawler in the middle of a desert with a couple of crazy clones. Um, So I think hopefully we're starting to see the beginning of that story unfold and I'm liking it. I'm liking anything with Rex I'm going to like, but it was nice to have a little short appearance from him today. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even mind if, like, they told his story, like, to fill in that gap, like, they dropped, like, breadcrumbs in, like, the last couple of episodes of the of this season and maybe the next season, like, it's not solely based on that and then maybe fill it in somewhere with, like, a book or, like, a comic or something. Like, because I feel like you don't want to end up with the Bad Batch being, like, overtaken by... Rex's story but I feel like as long as he's like in and out there's a couple of breadcrumbs here and there so like the general fans can like keep up to date and then obviously for us more like diehard fans we can always go to like a book or a comic or whatever to find out that story but yeah it's nice to see that he's still there and we haven't haven't just forgotten about him after his last appearance yeah I hope I hope Rex plays a similar role in this show to sort of like Ahsoka and I guess Rex as well in Rebels in the sense of like they were there they were dropping in and out of the show you know the second season they were quite heavily then and they sort of dropped in and out of the show for the rest of it but they never really overtook the ghost crew and the ghost crew still remained it was still their show and I think Filoni found a good balance with those characters in that show and I think it would be quite good I'd almost like it if you know in in uh, you know Bad Batch season two, we almost they start to decide to move away from Sid and start doing jobs for Rex instead. So Rex almost becomes the quest giver for them for their sort of week to week adventures. Um, but he's sort of he's a supporting character instead of you know one of the boys, which I think might um, sort of overtake some of the lads because obviously Rex is such an established character and we want to be spending more time with these newer characters like Hunter and Omega and Tech and that yeah I mean that's true like, I think a quest giver is quite a good role for Rex it, it still leads him as like the um, like, you know like the captain the one that they look up to so I feel like him giving them quests to go and help you know obviously within this time period I'm assuming that Rex any quests Rex gives them would be like help building the rebellion you know stuff like that uh, as as he moves more towards like the rebels time period, so yeah, I feel like that would be a nice little like full circle, or like a nice little way of us seeing how maybe the bad batch intertwine with like the rebellion and stuff like that through Rex. Yeah, I'm and then obviously for him to, I don't know, yeah, whatever happens for him to go live on a desert and <laughs> fish for giant worm things um, I've, I've almost got this paranoid theory that the thing that drive Re- drives Rex into sort of abandoning the fight is that the Bad Batch die that's almost a thing that's given me the fear is that it's the death of the Bad Batch which drives him into you know screw this I'm not I'm going away to hide and now I've had that thought I can't get out of my head <laughs> yeah now you put that in my head and I can't get out now so thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we get hopefully we get five seasons with them before that eventual <laughs> yeah well maybe it's like Rex like witnesses like Vader just like absolutely like demolishing oh, the clones no. like, it's just an embarrassment and he's like you know what <laughs> screw this I'm hiding it's not worth it oh no yeah <laughs> anyway away from the Rex chatter um I really like the little scene that followed Rex's um Rex's little hollow call because I think the show's done quite a good job of sort of really highlighting the Bad Batch like finding their way in the galaxy and deciding who they're going to be because obviously during the Clone Wars they knew exactly who they were and I think they're very representative of like the bigger question of clones but them to a further extent because they're obviously extra special you know 
not following the orders and all that sort of stuff. So I do think it's the show's always shined when it's really dealt with that sort of like moral questions of like what it is they're gonna do. And I thought that scene really highlighted it quite well of each of them sort of having very different opinions on what they should be doing. Um Echo, I really liked Echo in this episode being like, I trust Rex. A clone needs our help. We should go and help. And then <laughs> the this is the thing that made this seem brilliant was Rekko when he's like, he makes a good point. And then Tech says, Oh, but we won't get any money from Sid so we'll run out of food. And he's like, Oh, he makes a good point. And then Omega's always, you know, we should go and help anyone. And then Rekka's again, she makes a good point. I thought that was some good comedy there from Rekka, but also really shows that like dynamic within the family of the Bad Batch in the sense of like constantly trying to figure out are they there to save people are they there to help other clones are they there to sort of be part of this rebellion that's sort of growing in the in the background or are they really just mercenaries trying to survive themselves and i think hunter battles with that every day but i was glad that it was echo's voice that broke through this time and was really like i trust rex so we should trust him and we should go and do this mission. And I thought that that worked really well. And I was glad that they didn't linger on that too much. And that Hunter's clearly grown enough that earlier on in the series, he would have battled it much more and he would have been like, no, no, no. But we're getting to a point now where Hunter's being like, I, th- I don't like it, but you guys are right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that was actually quite a funny little point with Wrecker, just like being like the comic, comic relief and that I was saying, but, I think they all made good points, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm glad that Echo got more of a voice this episode than he has in previous ones. You know, he was the one that led the the cry of like, no, Rex asked for help, we're going to go. Um, and then obviously Omega being like, someone someone needs our help, we need to go. Because I've always kind of been hoping that over the series, the Bad Batch would kind of take the moral stance of like, well, we need to go help our fellow clones and like we need to go make sure that they aren't, you know, enslaved any longer. That's that's kind of where I was hoping they'd go with it. So um, I was glad that they, you know, that Omega made the point that they needed to go help this uh, this person. And then I was also obviously glad that later Echo was like, there's a clone in need, so we're going to go save him. Because obviously if they didn't save Echo, then Echo would still be trapped on... Uh, Echo Minor. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good bit of dialogue for Echo there, bringing up the the original Bad Batch episodes. Uh, and uh, yeah, he made a good point. If they if they didn't go and save him against all odds, Echo would still be a computer. So if they were willing to do that for Echo, they should be willing to do it for someone else. And if it's good, if if that person's good enough to save for Rex, then he should be good enough to save for them. So yeah, I liked having Echo as the voice of reason. I do think it's an interesting point you make of, you know, wanting them to sort of move into characters who are there to sort of save other clones. And I agree. And I think it's an interesting relationship that Bad Batch have because obviously clones are their brothers, but they've also been, they've always been different from normal clones. You know, they've always called normal clones regs they've been seen as by other clones as defective or weirdos or, you know, this bad batch. So I think even though the clones are their brothers, they have this weird relationship with them where it's like, they kind of don't like them, but then they kind of appreciate that they're their brothers. So I do think, you know, them battling with, should they just save, you know, he's just a reg sort of thing. I think is always an interesting little, dilemma which pops up for the bad batch i appreciated seeing it here as well yeah i mean i'm kind of hoping uh later on in the series or like season two i mean that they kind of take on that role a bit more i feel like the just the stories we've been getting through this season like the the development through them i feel like they're eventually going to realize that and they're going to be like well you know these especially after um the episode where rex convinces them all to get their chips out and rex returns that was a point where I was really expecting them to be like, we need to go help everyone else. And I've, you know, it's, it's even still like in this episode, they won't, they don't kill like any clones or anyone, you know, they only use their stun. So that's why it's, it's still following along that, that line. I think where they're going to be like, uh, we need to go save them. And I'm kind of assuming that the development of that will kind of reach a, a point at the end of this season. And maybe in season two, that'll be like the missions that Rex sends them on is to like find clones and like, you know, de-chip them and like bring them back to normality sort of thing. 
Yeah. I'd almost love if season two was just like them traveling about the galaxy, like finding clones and like rehousing them. <laughs> just, you know how they like help uh, cut and sue escape um, back in like episode two. I'd love it if it was just like season two is literally them just like finding a clone on a planet, helping them escape and then giving them a nice house on another planet and leaving them to it. <laughs> I think they, they form like the clone rehousement service. And they just, <laughs> Let, helping yeah. them escape the empire and get their own house in the outer rim <laughs> yeah i mean i'd like that i mean it's like obviously we know by like a new hope and the original trilogy that like most of the clones are like gone but they can't all just like be dead or just like you know like died of old age or like just like wipes out in combat like it's probably some that like found freedom and just like living happily amongst the galaxy you know on like different planets so like you gotta have hope surely because otherwise otherwise that's a sad life and that makes me sad yeah yeah um so yeah um episode continues on and we we get to this planet um that they are heading to and we get a little bit of hunter doing his tracking which is nice to see i think it'd been a while since we'd seen hunter doing some tracking sometimes forget that's his special skill but he does some tracking and they come across this huge imperial you know secret imperial base inside of this mountain which is very like james bond-esque which i thought was very cool um and this bit of the episode absolutely sold why i think (laughs) uh, what's his name kiner the guy who does the music is the absolute right guy for the job i thought the music in this bit was incredible because it was like he was like mixing like some of the old like um, music cues and sound effect cues from A New Hope, like they were when they were inside the Death Star. Actual bits of music from like inside the Death Star, like the the escaping music and sneaking through the halls of the Death Star from A New Hope. And he was mixing that in with like some of like the Bad Batch themes, <clears throat> some of the clone themes. Um, I just think the music was so good in this episode. As soon as I heard like the bum 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 bada bum, like Imperial music, I was like, oh unbelievable we're already getting these like episode four death star vibes from uh from this episode and i absolutely loved that moment and just them sort of sneaking their way into this complex and seeing these new looking clones who are looking like stormtroopers and clone commandos and everything i didn't know if you picked up on that music but for me it was a big moment of like yes fist bumping moment when i hear those original john williams cues tied into the the modern scores um, to be honest, I, I don't tend to ever pick up on like music cues, like especially like the little ones. Obviously, it's like a big, like theatrical thing, like uh, you know, like, <clears throat> like the Twin Suns music or something like that. I always pick up on that, but the little ones I always tend to miss. So I have to go back and rewatch that and yeah, see if, if I can just, appreciate that a bit more. If you just remind yourself of like the listen to the New Hope soundtrack and some of the stuff that's on the Death Star. There's these very specific like bits of music, and most of them end up playing at some point in this episode, because um, they're sneaking around this facility, which looks a lot like a Death Star, uh, which I thought was really really cool. Um, but yeah, they can be a little bit tricky to notice. But I'm a bit of a Star Wars music nerd, so whenever I hear like three notes in a row, I'm like, ah, this is this piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to go back and uh, listen to. It. But yeah, I mean. These are f- this is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying like the background stuff is like there's no one ever specifically points out you know I mean Echo points out that the the people there are observing they assume are clones and he points out that they've got upgraded armors obviously like looking at the clone commanders that's fairly obvious but I feel like it takes like a slightly sharper eye like, I feel like a casual fan might miss it is like yeah the the clone the, say clone like air quotation marks the clone armors do are looking a lot sim a lot more similar to like the original stormtrooper designs that we get obviously in like a new hope and like rebels etc etc so it's it's this is what it's all about it's like it's this stuff in the show that really is starting to like give you the background information on like following on how we've moved from like the Republic era and how we're slowly progressing into like the empire as we know it by the time we get to like a new hope. Yeah. Yeah. And they made the point that they were called like TK troopers now, I think. And obviously within that action scene, we get the reveal that, you know, they're not actually clones. They're 
ordinary people under the helmets. Um, so obviously we're learning a lot about that change. I think, you know, that was one of the most important things sort of like, as you said, sort of kind of backgrounds, like not massively the most central part of the episode, but key bit of information that's like dropped. And it's pretty major. It's a pretty major deal that, you know, we've got this facility just filled with clone commandos teaching new regular human or other alien recruits for the empire. Um, and I think that's a pretty big deal. And what was, re- what was really interesting as well, and I've seen a lot of people pointing out it out is the clone, no, the um, stormtrooper or TK trooper armor is like really close to the stormtrooper armor, but they ha- it actually looks like it's been based off of some of, so a lot of the times in star Wars, they'll, create a new thing which is like based off of some of ralph mccrory's old concept art for a new hope so for example like um zeb the lasat from rebels his character design is modeled off one of the early concept drawings for chewbacca of what wookies could have looked like from one of ralph mccrory's old drawings but they're like some of his old concept art of um stormtroopers had them looking more like they look in this with like the the sort of eyepiece a little bit further down um, and a little bit more sharp to edge sort of around the side. Um, and I just thought that was a really interesting little mm-hmm. Easter egg there. And like they, they've got them nearly looking like stormtroopers, but the design, which is nearly stormtrooper is what was almost the stormtrooper design <laughs> back in the, <laughs> instead of in, instead of within the canon world, but in the real world, when Ralph McQuarrie was des- designing everything for the for the original films, so I just thought it was a nice little nice little tie in there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about, it and I noticed as well. Oh, that's a nice touch, actually. I haven't actually looked at a lot of the old concept art. I need to go back and actually have a look. Um, I'm assuming there's like a book you can buy, and I probably will purchase. It. Yeah, yeah. There's the, the uh, art of the original trilogy. I think each book's got one, and like Chopper, for example, is based off the original R2D2 concept art. Like uh, the original R2D2 drawing had him looking like Chopper with the arms coming out of his head, and then they ended with R R2D2. So there's some of our funny strikes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I quite like the original concept art. I mean, I got a little Darth Vader pop funko which is like the concept art darth vader where he's more like bluish and yeah, rounder yeah. in the head sort of thing so that's oh, a nice little easter egg i mean i suppose we've got the same thing when we had that episode of the mandalorian with the spider white spiders that was from concept art wasn't it i'm pretty sure yeah i think they were meant to be spiders it would would have been on dagobah i think yeah and they were just never used but they were yeah old concept art and because lucasfilm keeps all this stuff i think when they're coming up with new characters and stuff like that they sometimes just go through ralph mccrory's old uh drawings and then says oh that looks cool and it hasn't been used yet we'll we'll use that and i love that they did that for the developing stormtrooper armor because i think that just really ties it all together and it feels so natural and so star warsy yeah it definitely then you you can make sense of it being like the in between between like clones and stormtroopers is obviously just the concept art they went between going like from nothing to stormtroopers from the original trilogy. Yeah, that's, that's a nice touch actually. I have to go back and have a look. I'm definitely going to buy that book as well and have a flick, flick through and see what else I can lose. Yeah, and um, so yeah, uh, where, where were we? We're in we're in the the facility, and obviously, okay, yeah. The the big thing that made me jump up in my seat when I was like, oh. When uh, that we find out that the clone deserter from earlier on in the episode is none other than good old Gregor, Gregor of Wolf and Gregor and Co from Rebels and from Clone Wars, um, I was very happy. I think I had always been expecting at some point in the Bad Bat show we might learn about Wolf and Gregor and how they ended up with Rex, and we had obviously seen Gregor in the Clone Wars literally blowing up the last time we seen him, and then he was alive in Rebels. There was always a story there to be told. And I like that we've seen Gregor very in old Gregor fashion him with his character. You know, the fact that he thinks the defective clones are the ones still willing to serve the Empire. I thought that was a great line. Um, sort of finding the through points of how he ended up with Rex. And then I'd love the throwaway line of him being like, yeah, I got blown up once and I survived. Which just explained how he survived that episode of Clone Wars without going into too much detail. So... I was very happy to see Gregor back. I do like Gregor. And uh, 
yeah, it was good to see him again. What did you think? Did you did you get all excited when you heard Gregor's name? I did. Yeah, it was only um, I think it was literally about two seconds before I said his name, or literally like a second and a half or whatever. Where like there was like a little chuckle. He did like his classic little chuckle. It's like hee hee hee. It reminds me of um. You know, in Skyrim, when you're playing for like the Dark Brotherhood, and like you got that that guy that comes in dressed in the clown Cicero, outfit. Yeah. Cicero, yeah, he's got the same sort of laugh. It keeps reminding me of that. He's like, <laughs> and it's like oh, that, is, <laughs> that is creepy. But uh, yeah, yeah, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, that is that has surely got to be Gregor. Uh, so yeah, as you said, it, it's nice to see how we go from him being like going getting blown up in like a blaze of glory in the uh, Clone Wars to then. Uh, I suppose surviving and obviously being recruited by the Empire as like a clone commander to, to teach uh, the new recruits, teach teach them his skills. I suppose. Um, yeah, it's a nice little nice little nod to the past. It's a nice little nod to Rebels, I suppose as well, because obviously we've got to fill that gap. Uh, yeah, very exciting to see a returning character. Yeah, definitely, and I think he he played a good part in this episode because obviously you know he's a reg. Um, it made the Bad Batch sort of question how far they were willing to go to save other clones. And obviously this is a pretty, uh, what's the word, ambitious mission in terms of, you know, a thousand troops and just the three of them breaking in. Obviously, um, it was really nice to see Hunter, Tech and Echo really at the forefront of this episode. Some great Tech and Echo moments, which I've always looking for. And it was nice to get a bit more of that today. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed seeing Gregor and them interact and, you know, the moment when Tech realised that they weren't clones, but stormtroopers and Gregor was like, yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was trying to say. Like, there are replacements, which I think is, you know, it works within the context of this episode. But I think that is such a, you know, huge moment. The fact that we are now in the stage in the galaxy where clones are now getting replaced with conscripted soldiers and it's it's essentially started. And I think that was pretty pretty big moment just to sort of drop in this episode so i think all of that together with gregor and and the boys worked really well for me and yeah i was i was i was enjoying that a lot yeah i think um i think as gregor says it someone has a quite an interesting line about how like the new recruits from like all over the galaxy there's basically like an unlimited supply of them which is obviously because you always get the people that ask you know like the more casual fans, I suppose, are always like, "Oh, how come like stormtroopers like armor like doesn't seem to deflect bullets or like or not bullets but lasers, you know, like, all that sort of stuff?" And about reasons why like the Empire's soldiers, the stormtroopers are like terrible. And I suppose that that leads into the answer is that it's always it's always. But if you look, you know, for an answer in like canon and stuff, the answer's always been this is you know the Empire starts to throw numbers at people. You know, there's like millions mm. of people who want to yeah. sign up for the empire so it doesn't really matter you know how good their equipment is or how because obviously you've got the jokes about how stormtrooper can't aim and i feel like it's it again ties into the fact that the empire just doesn't care like it will just throw as many stormtroopers yeah. at a problem as possible and it'll be like if they all die but the last trooper like <laughs> you know gets the mission done then that's fine yeah and they even addressed it because um, Gregor even said like oh we don't we don't teach them all the tricks because it was you know they were pointing out that they didn't have very good aim and he was like yeah well we didn't we didn't teach him everything we know um, but yeah it's always been sort of common knowledge within the sort of Star Wars fan base that both like the Separatists and the Empire had the similar idea of like why were the B1 droids so useless and it wasn't it was just because they can mass produce them for cheap and if they just send a million B1s even though they're useless just by pure number it's difficult to get through them all and the empire obviously had that idea with stormtroopers as well as it doesn't matter if their armor's not good if they can't really shoot if we just have enough of them an endless supply yeah cause i suppose it's for the empire's point of view it's so much cheaper just to like get people who are like willing to serve the empire and like want to sign up as opposed to you know you can get them in for free and all we've got to pay for is like a little bit of their training and maybe some equipment as opposed to like clones, you have to pay like per clone. I have to pay for like the facilities at Camino. You got to pay for like their upbringing, their training, which is all like top of the range stuff. You know, it's more expensive. So you'd rather just get Muppets to come over, sign up for free, and send them to their deaths, and then hope that they get the mission done. If you throw enough people out there, 
much easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then obviously, you know, if they had a whole army of hunters and wreckers and techs and echoes, then they'd be unstoppable. But, you know, training or, you know, getting soldiers to that level of quality takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, and that's something that the Empire are not willing to spend. They'll spend money, but not time or effort. Um, and I think it was a nice little little nod to that in this episode. And it all lines up canon-wise, and I don't think you can really question it anymore. And, you know, when sort of, as you said, more casual watchers quite rightly raise that question, there's a very, very clear answer in canon now. And there has been for years, but almost after this episode, even more clear of, you know, why the Empire uses stormtroopers in the way they do and why they never hit their shots. Um, which I always think is just funny how well acknowledged it is. <laughs> Yeah, the Empire doesn't care if you can how well you can shoot. You just um as long as you surround enough people at it, it's fine. Although interestingly, this is it's kind of a side note, but it does kind of tie in. I, I saw an interesting thing on like a I think it was like a TikTok or a YouTube video where someone was saying like apparently in Canon the Empire say that Thai pilots can't um fly the same ship twice so that they don't get attached to the ship and then like don't want to get damaged sort of thing. So they they make the TIE fighters change ship every fight so that they basically are just willing to blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all because obviously in the rebellion, they all get pretty attached to their one little ship that they end up flying. Um, so it kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's just such a fun little Easter egg, that one, that fun little fact. <laughs> you've got to fly a different ship today because you don't want you to like the one that you drive too much yeah don't want to to personalise it like like, (laughs) squadrons of like a little like uh, decorations on the cockpit no because then you're worried about blowing up little baby Yodas hanging from their rear view mirrors just to (laughs) keep it all personalised that is banned in the Empire Um, so yeah we've got a pretty awesome action scene of you know all of them escaping um, whilst Obviously, Wrecker and Omega are back chilling on the ship. I particularly like the little moment when Omega was getting all flustered. She was like, we haven't heard from them. Like, where are they? And then she looks up at Wrecker, who's got his legs up on the console. He's like, how can you be so relaxed? And he's just like, <laughs> what was it he said? That he said, um, um, he said, I'm charging up before I have to like charge. Well, I charge in. That was it. Yeah. Charging up before I charge in. Which I thought was such a good, a good line. And, um, obviously they get that moment when, um, they get to the when the boys get to the edge of the cliff and they need rescued. And I thought it was good to see um, Omega flying. That's a little bit of progression from last time because obviously last time when Hera asked her about flying, she said that she wasn't allowed to fly the ship until she'd read all the specifications. So obviously she's finished reading the specifications and she's starting to fly. And she's obviously listened to Hera's wisdom about flying being a feeling. She seemed to be flying fairly decently which was nice to see. And yeah, the whole, um, you know, I don't know what, it's not a space battle, is it? Because it's on the, the ship, the fighter ship battle in the sky was pretty awesome. As soon as Tech got behind the wheel and he was just like, that was, that was sufficient. And then off you go. <laughs> I'll take over now with Wrecker on the guns at the back. I love that combo with Tech flying and Wrecker on the guns. Tech doing some of his Tokyo Drift manoeuvres again, which is always fantastic to see. And I, I like that whole scene. I'm a big tech flying fan now. I think it's one of my favourite things to see in the show. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with me, but <laughs> really good scene. Yeah, I mean, tech is reckless behind the wheel. Like he, as I said the other week, you know, he had a little Tokyo Drift moment where he comes steaming in and then a little handbrake turn blows up the... Um, or refineries or whatever it was. And this week, the man just goes for like a straight nosedive into the uh, back to the planet and last minute pulls the ship up. And it's like, Christ, Tech, like, you're so calm and collective, like rest of the time. But as soon as you get behind the wheel, he's just throwing that ship around. I mean, to be fair to him, he is a great, he is a great pilot, though. Like, he yeah. outmaneuvered all those... Um, uh, I don't know, but they'd be clones driving, flying those planes. Or I guess they must just be the, uh, yeah, the team gays as well. I don't, I don't really know because um, they were obviously the little fighters with like the flat, sort of like flat side wings, um, which obviously sort of I think sort of are supposed to represent like an early Tie Fighter sort of 
or at least where the TIE fighter came from, because those ships are all over the Clone Wars and the prequels, weren't they? Yeah, I think they were A-Wings, I think, from my days playing Battlefront. I think they were called A-Wings. So, yeah, they're usually flown by clones, but I suppose if they're yeah. getting rid of the clones, they're probably getting rid of the clone well, pilots. Yeah, so. unless, it, unless it was the clone commandos flying flying them. Which yeah, it could I have mean, been. They didn't seem to be hitting their shots very well, so maybe it was. <laughs> so, yeah, it probably was the, the TKs. So yeah, we had a pretty, pretty awesome little dogfight scene going on, which I thought was really cool. And then um, the moment that really surprised me was Hunter leaps for the ship. He misses. Well, he sort of grabs it just about, drops off, and uh, falls very far down. Sort of gets his in the classic film TV fashion, gets his fall broken by multiple trees. <clears throat> and then he's um, he tells the Bad Batch to leave him behind, and he's captured by the by the Empire. Did you see that coming? Um, to be honest, I didn't see it was Hunter coming. I feel like someone was going to get left behind or someone was going to end up getting shot like, and dying at that final scene where like, they're right on the edge and the clones are pressed in and there's obviously the ships fighting. I was like, someone is going to bite the bullet here, surely. I was like, preparing myself for it. And then when Hunter like, leapt off the side, I was like, okay, all right, fine. That's, that's fair. But that's before even like, stuck the landing which he then obviously missed and fell god knows how far like a good 300 feet but as you say broken by trees so he's obviously fine uh <laughs> the classic yeah and then left behind and captured like i didn't expect that at all i was really worried to be fair it's gonna be my boy echo that was gonna bite the bullet but no, yeah we, we live yeah, I think I was on permanent Echo Watch because obviously Echo had a lot more to do in this episode than normal. So I was like, oh no, they're not just doing what I describe as Walking Dead writing where they like give the character their most important episode and then kill them right at the end. So I was worried that they were doing that with Echo. Luckily they didn't. Hunter gets captured and um, we end with the crosshair arriving at the prison and them having a bit of a bit of a standoff. I thought the line that uh, Crosshair said, you know, that I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do, was really reminiscent of, um, <laughs> I was hoping for Kenobi. <laughs> Why are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good point, actually. I didn't think of that. That's a, that's an iconic line. One of my favourites in all the Star Wars, actually, delivered by the, the great Sam, Sam Witter. What a man. Uh, but yeah, no, actually, that was an intense little standoff. And like, I, again, just expected crosshead to just like raise his blaster and like shoot it and that would like be the end of the episode but thankfully we didn't quite get that dramatic of an ending um and it was just them two i suppose just like staring off at each other uh, yeah you better leave my boy hunter alone don't you dare <laughs> don't you dare take any shots at hunter <laughs> but it's clearly yeah. it sounds like the way crosshair was saying that that he has something planned for him um and what that is if I had to guess, is taking him back to Camino, putting a chip in his head, dialing it to 11 like they did to Crosshair and recruiting him as part of the Empire's new death squad. Um, hopefully, <laughs> the rest of the batch managers stop that from happening. But I have a feeling that that's sort of what Crosshair's reasoning for not killing him there, then and there is. Interesting, because my thought went completely the opposite way. And was that maybe Crosshair's like fighting against his chip or like since his little accident his chips are not quite working as well so like he wants Hunter to like get it out of him that's 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 where I'm going with it so I guess we'll just have to see who's right <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing sort of what happens with it um, and then I mean I guess the other sort of big sort of not big but sort of like B plot to this episode was sort of the couple scenes on Camino, which I thought were very interesting um because obviously we had Rampart sort of declaring that the Empire was essentially just leaving Kamino, that they were done. That, you know, they were no longer interested in the Kaminoans and their cloning. And, you know, essentially that whole clone program was over, which I sort of had a double take. I was like, wait, did he just say that they're leaving Kamino? You know, pretty mad. And then obviously the Kaminoans themselves getting a bit twitchy and deciding that they need an escape plan. And what appears to be Lama Su getting executed at the end of that. We didn't obviously hear any blaster fire, so he could still be alive. But, you know, they took Nala Say away because they've got use for a scientist, but not for a politician. 
and that could well be the end of the Kaminoan prime minister. I don't know what you uh, what you thought of that little plot, little side plot there, um, and the implications it has going forward. But it certainly had me even more interested. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you said, like at the end of that scene, we didn't hear any uh, blaster shots. Uh, I was waiting for them to be honest. I was like, all right, they're going to shut the doors and they're going to shoot him because obviously, you know, this is meant to be like a kid show. They don't want us to like kill him like that in cold blood like there and then. Um, but no, I didn't get any. So I, I'm wondering like where that's going to lead next episode maybe. Is it even going like, to address it? Obviously the ending of the cloning facility is obviously, you know, like a big deal. And uh, I feel like it wraps in nicely to how the rest of the episode went with like Gregor and stuff, explaining the new recruits and things like that are tied in quite well, obviously. I was... um. I was it just goes to show I think I was surprised in the back of my head when um obviously they were worried about the empire just like destroying Camino because they weren't going to use him anymore. It was like, you know, you just you just stop buying this person's product like there's no need to just go and like wipe them out but then I just suppose that's just how the empire works isn't it? It's just absolutely just we take what we want and we destroy yeah. what we don't sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, they basically sort of had that conversation because Nala say was like, oh yeah, you know, our clones are legendary throughout the galaxy. Like, we'll find new customers. And then I think Lama Su said something like, this is the empire we're dealing with, not the Republic. And I think he said something along the lines of, we've empowered them, like, it, or we've like allowed them to turn into this, basically. So I think they've just realised that their <laughs> their days are numbered and they, they got in bed with the wrong person here and it's it's just all gone horrifically wrong um i am i have a feeling we haven't seen the last of camino i i I imagine one if not two of these last two episodes probably going to take place on a meet on camino i think poetically it probably works best you know they go you know coming back to their home one last time as it you know empties of all clones and Hopefully we get a little clone rebellion that we wanted sort of all season. I'm not not sure what's going to happen. It's really thrown me in any direction now, but um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But I do hope that we get one last scene or episode on Camino before this season ends, because what an iconic planet where so much has happened. <laughs> yeah, it is one of the most iconic planets, I think, in Star Wars. But it just makes me... Th- oh, I've just been thinking, it's like, well, the Kaminoans have just literally got what they deserved. Like, it's sad for, obviously, there's going to be no more clones and you know, that series of Clone Wars is ending because, obviously, you know, the clones are some of my favourite characters and, obviously, it's sad that they no longer get to be produced, etc., etc. But the Kaminoans are literally getting what they deserve. You know, they... They did a business deal with, you know, Count Dooku... Um, even not knowing like the full implications of like being a Sith, etc. Um, like they still put the chip in the the clone's head with Order sixty six, knowing exactly what it was going to do, pretty much. You know, knowing that in the end the Empire would not knowing obviously it was going to be the Empire, but knowing exactly how the outcome would be, and they just went along with it because they got paid a shit ton of money. So whatever happens to the Prime Minister and like uh, and that. I have absolutely no sympathy. They get what they deserved. <laughs> they had it coming. They had it covered all this time. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, overall, I think, I mean, I really enjoyed the episode. As I said, so much good action and character moments and um, just, uh, it, was, it was definitely a return to form um, after that weaker episode last week. And, uh, you know, it makes me even more convinced that, last week's episode just should have been moved a bit earlier on in the season because if we went from the Hauser sort of reveal at the end of the previous episode to straight into this starting with a clone you know with Gregor running away I think that would have linked a lot a lot better thematically um but then I think when you eventually come back to binge clone uh Bad Batch season one from episode one through to 16 in a one I feel like it's probably going to flow really really nicely and um yeah, it's been it's been a pretty damn good season so far, and I think we've definitely ramped it up for the for the final act of the show. And uh, I'm very very excited to see how it finishes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like the this episode has ended in such a way that the last two episodes or the last three episodes, including today's, is going to be like a big arc. Um, because obviously today's episode ended with a slight cliffhanger 
I'm assuming I'm assuming that next episode isn't going to wrap everything up completely then that'll lead on to the final episode I feel like a standalone final episode would be a bit weird yeah uh, yeah I imagine Hunter won't be rescued next week I feel like Hunter getting rescued it'll be final episode material yeah but uh, you know last week's episode was a bit I think as you said it should have been somewhere else in the season like as we said last week it could have easily been like episode six seven or whatever um but yeah it's a it's a great return to form and i've got high hopes for the last two episodes now i think we're really going to end with an absolute banger of an arc to finish it off yeah i mean i was actually thinking i would be completely okay if next week's episode was just hunter and crosshair on camino just having an intense <laughs> discussion for like 25 minutes of just like hunter trying to break through to crosshair like break through crosshair's program programming and remind them of all the good times they had together when they were boys back in the day like and obviously it's not going to be what the episode is because it's a, a more kids oriented show so obviously you've got to have your action set pieces and that sort of stuff but i would actually be okay with just a full 25 minutes of hunter and crosshair just having it off just like arguing talking and then like hunter trying to get through to him i think i imagine that will happen in a smaller aspect next week but i'd be okay if it was a whole 20 minutes of it to be honest <laughs> yeah i wouldn't mind that either to be fair i mean last week i was genuinely a bit worried about what this week was going to produce but now i've got my confidence is fully back with uh i'm, I'm back in the you know dave flown and the creative team over at the bad batch and i i've got such high hopes for the last two episodes yeah i think i think we just get proved time and time again with the whole lucasfilm animation team like all the way back from clone wars is you can just never judge these shows by one individual episode or or three individual episodes in a row anything like that because they really are just a sum of all their parts and i think you know, a lot of people learned that with Rebels when after the first season, they were like, oh, this Ezra kid's annoying. I'm not really sure if this show's for me. It's a bit too childish to get into the end of Rebels and being like, damn, this is one of the best sort of shows. This is one of the best Star Wars stories ever made. And Clone Wars, you know, it was very unpopular when the the movie and the, the first season came out. People like being, oh, what's this? It's just some, you know, nothing show, this annoying girl in it who's ruined the whole thing getting all the way through a season seven and realizing that you know Ahsoka's one of the best characters ever the clone stories are some of the most powerful stories in star wars and i think i think the bad batch we've sort of been proved wrong again because you know there was one episode that was a little bit a little bit of a flop not like a flop flop but just a little bit out of place and you know they've come back this week and proved that lucasfilm animation and the whole team feloni and everyone are, are at top of their game they're banging out these 16 episode seasons that are just you know, it's a journey and you might have your your episodes that are better than others. And that's just the whole part of the ride of spending the time with these characters and you get your big moment at the end of the series. So uh, I think we just got to hold our hands up and say, yep, yeah, in Filoni we trust. Yeah, I think last week at the end of last week's episode, to be fair, I, was, I said, uh, you know, I'll happily like, eat my words about last week's episode, you know, if this one's like great. And so here I am eating my words, you know, as you said, I hold my hands up in Filoni we trust. But never doubt the man. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it's just funny that we were just going on about Echo and how there's some really interesting Echo stuff that they can still address. And I think some of the man and machine stuff that we were talking about last week, I think we're still still yet to have in the show. And I'm sure that'll be some season two material. But some of that real stuff about, you know, Echo's desire to, you know, save his brothers and be a proper clone, I think we're really shone through in this episode. And it was it was good to see him get such a focus. Yeah, I mean, I've been desperate for some Echo love throughout the whole season. And I think, yeah, this episode was very, very heavy on Echo. And I liked I liked his little point about, you know, if you guys didn't save me, I'd still be there. And I think that's, you know, we're getting to see like the tickings of Echo and like what his driving force is. So hopefully they explore that more in future episodes because um, I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the only last thing that I'll say is I uh, I've really appreciated a uh, Republic Commando Easter egg in this episode. I don't know if you clocked it because um, you haven't played Republic Commando, but when they were getting chased through the facility by all the like the clone commandos and the, the TK troopers, there was a clone commando with yellow on his armor. 
you clock him and they stunned yeah. him like multiple times and he just wouldn't fall over because he was a beast. That was yeah. um, Scorch from uh, Delta Squad from Republic Commando. That was uh, oh. so that whole that the Scorch is obviously one of the one of the main boys in that one of the members of the I think they're called Delta Squad, right? I, just, I haven't got that wrong. I think they are Delta Squad. Anyway, the squad from Republic Commando, they appeared once in Clone Wars in like the background in like very brief moment. But uh that was that was Scorch. So it was uh I think it was a, a Easter egg which like a lot of people got excited about and uh, I noticed it and I was like, damn, little Easter egg there, I like it. Yeah, that is a nice little Easter egg actually. I haven't played the game, but yeah, it's yeah, worth that's, it. It's, that's, it's worth nice. it's worth a play for actually when you get past the fact that graphics are incredibly dated. It's yeah. uh it's a fun little yeah. game. Um, but it's nice to see them sort of starting to canonize more aspects of that game. I, I almost feel that like they'd make a really good like season two villain for the Bad Batch because they'd they'd essentially be like the Bad Batch would meet their match because it would be like an elite squad of clones um, mm. just like them, but they're still got all that imperial uh, propaganda running through their brains and stuff but I don't know I think it might have just been a nod to the fans I don't think it's <laughs> don't think it's teasing anything in the future <laughs> uh, that's what we like in Star Wars a little nod to the fans here and yeah there. the little easter eggs we love the easter eggs right so um, we will we'll wrap our episode up there we've been talking about that episode for nearly an hour now so we've uh, we've definitely dove deep into that into that great episode and uh, we've given you some some few uh, thoughts on what we're ex- what we're hoping for and excited for next week. So, hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, we'll be back. I think we won't be back next Saturday. I think I'm I'm away with work, so I, th- I think we're going to be a couple of days late next week. Maybe Monday, Tuesday. But we have patient we have patient listeners, <laughs> so it shouldn't be a problem. Um, I think the the plan that we originally had. So hopefully it all goes well. Is the plan was that we were going to have our book club episodes um, as our next episode, and then in two weeks' time we'll have an episode of probably a, a nice long episode of the podcast to talk about the final two episodes of Bad Batch at once. That might be what happens. It might not, but that's the that's the plan at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to both our book club and to talking about how this season of television wraps up. Yeah, there should be two actually really interesting weeks, I think, of, yeah. uh, of discussion. And then after that, oh, who knows? Who knows what we'll be doing week on week after that? It'll, it'll be, we'll be mixing it up. We'll be mixing up with what we start to talk about now. I feel like there's plenty <laughs> of stuff in the Star Wars universe that we can dive into. Yeah, there's always stuff to talk about. Always stuff to talk about. Right? Okay, doke. Well, that's been uh, that's been episode seventeen of Life from Vader's Castle. So thanks for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed, make sure you follow us on your podcast app that you use, whether that's Spotify, or Apple Music, or Amazon Podcasts. We're on all of them. Um, give us a follow on Instagram at Life from Vader's Castle. We, we've been posting a lot over there. Um, we've been we've been. Uh, John has a as a, a Vader's Castle Lego set which he's been building, so you can. Uh, you can see that when it's finished on all its glory on our, on our Instagram page and a lot of other stuff. We just did a giveaway recently. So there's lots of, lots of fun stuff happening over there and follow us on Twitter at Vader's Castle pod. And uh, yeah, until next week, we'll, uh, we'll catch you then. Yeah. See you guys later. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.